You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Broadway! Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Broadway. Hey everybody, welcome back to Josh Swallows Broadway here on the Broadway Podcast Network. I am here with Olivier Winner. <laughs> And grand lady of all theater. <laughs> grand Uba. <laughs> Leslie Margarita. Hi. Hi, friend. How are you? I'm good. I was I was better until I heard about the prom closing. I know. I know. And uh, that really sucks. It's awful. Yesterday, listeners at home, between shows, we found out that our show is closing in seven weeks. So by the time you hear this, it'll probably be dead. <laughs> It'll probably be dead. And so and, will I. Um, and so will I. My soul. Yeah. Oh, no, um, me. And explain how that happens. Like, you get a text message or an email that's saying, you guys come, with, there's a meeting at the theater, and yeah. then everybody texts each other, and it's like, oh, God, are we closing? Yeah, when do you this think? Is it? What, what, what is this? Yeah. The text message was um, 7.15, company meeting on stage, mm-hmm. which is basically grandma's about to die. <laughs> We don't know if it's going to be but there's two always weeks. Like, there's always like a couple <clears throat> optimists who are like, maybe oh, we're yeah. transferring to New World Stages. Yeah, and I'm the asshole once everybody's <laughs> there. And I've never been to like a closing meeting like this before. Mm-hmm. Every Like all of general management was there. Like I'm sure like interns from Telsey's office were there. Like anybody was there. And they all look so sad. So sad. And so of course I'm the asshole and I was like, Congratulations, everybody. We're going to be in the movie. Oh, God. And I was lucky that everybody was like, ha, 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 that's not true. Oh. You're so funny. We know why we're here. Oh, and then they give the speech, the like, you know, we we love everybody mm-hmm. so much. We've we're, done all we could. We, we've really worked hard. And over the past, and you're inside, you're just like, Tell me the fucking day. Yeah, tell me the day. And then I'm going through numbers of like, how much do I need to save for rent and blah, blah, blah. Like I'm literally going through numbers. Yeah. And then it hits you after. Like for me, I do like the life stuff immediately. I'm like, okay, oh God, I've got this many weeks of insurance. I got blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then it hits me after that like your family is is breaking up and what you you love to do is going away. And that's the worst. Yeah. What was it like at Matilda when you guys found out? Because I was shocked well, i thought matilda was gonna run forever i did too i was actually gone when they announced i was in disney world <laughs> and the happiest um, place on earth yeah uh i wasn't in the show at that point 
I had taken a year off. And so I was not in the show. And then I read it online that it was closing. And I was totally shocked, totally, totally shocked. Um, And then a couple months later, they reached out and asked if I wanted to go back and close it. So that was the best of it. Dames at Sea, though, we like we got the the text message a night before company meeting. And I think Eloise Crop and I were having tequila at at somewhere. (laughs) And we were like, let's order a couple more rounds because we knew it's coming. So, But you had a text message the night before? The night before. Why do that? I don't know. It was just you guys come in. Same thing, yeah. seven fifteen company meeting, and we all know. But it's that like, how much longer are we running? What's happening? And it, you just know, and it's terrible and yeah. and awful because you've put your heart and soul into something, and you believe in it. And when it doesn't get the not the recognition, because it's almost like when it doesn't get the 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 it doesn't catch on like yeah. you think. And it's something so special. It's it's baffling to me. I don't understand. Yeah. How much notice did you have at Dames at Sea? Six weeks. Okay. Which yeah, was, that's, I mean, that's very nice. Awesome. Yeah. Six yeah. weeks. Very generous. Yeah. But um, I feel bad for some shows are like, closing tomorrow. Oh, yeah. People have horror stories. Horror stories. Well, uh, my favorite story is the cast of Carrie. It was a two-show day. After the matinee, they... Did not get a text because it was the 80s. But <laughs> they got a page. No. <laughs> they got a page. They got a smoke signal. And there was a meeting like right after the matinee. And the producer was on stage and he went and he was standing next to his accountant. And he was like, I am the smartest man that I know. And I think that this show is the best show and should be running for years. The only person who is smarter than me is my accountant. And he says, we have to close the show immediately. There will be no night show. Could you imagine? No, 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 no. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. And then, like, what do you, how do do you deal with all this? You don't even get the closure. No. It's awful. You guys are business. I know. It's rough. Well, when my when I have friends with kids and they're like, "Oh, you know, little Jane is wanting to go into theater," <laughs> and they give me bad looks when I'm like, "You need to beat your child. You need to beat them." <laughs> I know, I know, spanking is frowned upon, but I'm not talking about that. Just I'm talking point about them in a different them. direction. <laughs> beat them and then give them a science kit, or yeah. you know, something about law. Being a lawyer, I'm all about. Being totally honest about the, the crap side yeah. of it. Because it's fantastic what we do. And we love what we do. But there's the crap side that I feel like not enough people talk about. That you really need to know what you're getting into. And you really have to love what you're doing. And I think that's like that with, with any career, I'm yeah. sure. Any career that's that's difficult to break into or difficult to sustain. I think it's it's you have to know what you're getting into. I think that you're so successful with that, especially on your social media. You, I hope so. No, you are. You re, you write these tweets and post these things all about the truth of the business, about being kind to people, about that it's hard, about how like some days you're going to go into an audition and <laughs> like... Tank. And just tank. <laughs> you know, and I, it, I find it very soothing. I'm glad, you know, I I get both sides. I get people being like, this is amazing. But then I get the side of people who are like, you shouldn't show your vulnerability. People, 
creative teams don't want to see that. And I'm like, you know what? That's fucked up. Can I swear on that? Yes. That's fucked up because I don't want to work with somebody who doesn't want to hire me based on my Twitter. Yeah. So that's fine if somebody's reading this going, oh, I think she's unstable or whatever. It's, that's ridiculous to me. So I think it's important to be honest. And it honestly, it helps me. Yeah. Like a lot of these things when I'm trying to like lift other people up, I need it so badly. So I'm like almost writing it to myself and then especially to like the kids. Yeah. Especially because it's so hard. I mean, back in my day, we didn't have the YouTubes and the- We didn't have no know, Jimmy Awards. <laughs> no Jimmy Awards. <laughs> but I think it's like almost a false sense of security that they get. They're like, well, if I- do this online and get hits on this, then I'm going to get a Broadway show. And sometimes that happens, but you can't sustain that for a career. So I think it's really important for these kids to realize that there are other avenues like, oh, working hard and being good at what you do, and then you'll be successful. It's not just, you know, I worry about some of the ones that have success so easy and and early. I'm really glad that nothing happened to me for a long time. Me too, sort of. I don't know if I could handle it. Well, I probably could handle it, but I would have been a real bitch. I mean, I would have OD'd by now. Sure. But <laughs> I at least would have been able to be like, fuck you guys. I'm so fierce. It's my five-year high school reunion, yeah. and I'm better than all of you. Yeah. You know? Well, that would have been fun. Yeah, that yeah. would have been nice. But we don't always get what we want. No, but we know those Broadway. people. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm grateful that all the kids at my show are so cool and down to earth and just like grateful to be there. Yeah. It's really nice. What I loved about Matilda is um, when they, the the Brits kind of instilled in the adults, they were very, very adamant about us not talking to our kids about show business, not talking to them about the show because their thought was if you tell a young person, you were really great tonight, they're going to go, well, was I not great last night? Wow. Was I not? And it was really important. And I loved being able to be like, how was school? How, what else is going on in your life? And we couldn't talk to them about auditions or shows or anything. And it was so helpful. And those kids were really grounded. And I'm so proud of, I see them now. Oh God, they're going to their proms and stuff. And Isn't that it's, crazy? It's nuts. Yeah. Going to college. It's crazy. But I'm so proud of all of them. They're really great, grounded. And the, they're great artists. Yeah. Because I think that they have other interests. I think, I yeah, I, I just, I, I worry for the ones that, that don't have that kind of, like, great s- surrounding. Yeah. I mean, I also worry about the oldies, too. The oldies. That, like, well, I worry about me every day. Well, <laughs> my least favorite conversation is when you run into somebody, and it's and I'm like, hey, how are you? And they're like, I'm doing this at Bucks County, and then like I'm on my own show, you. and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. How are you? Congratulations. I'm not going to any of those things. Yeah. Because I'm lazy and I don't like that show. And I'm not going. I'm just like, how are you? How's your mom? Is she so crazy? Yeah, that's the hardest thing, especially around here. Because Broadway's like the high school campus. Yeah. And you see everybody and that's the first thing. Everyone's like, what are you up to? I'm like, absolutely nothing. Going to Dwayne Reed and getting antidepressants. (laughs) What are you up to? You know? (laughs) Or like, since we were talking about closing shows, I've already been asked three times, including by my therapist this Stop. afternoon. What's next? So what? No. What's next? No, no, what, no. Do you know no. what you're doing next? No, I don't. I no, want I don't. to slap them and say, "That's what's next, bitch." I mean, ah! that's the that's worst question you can ask. Yeah, Ugh, it's the worst. Yeah, 
And there is something freeing in being able to be like, I got nothing. Oh, that's I what re- I say. I say it all the time. Nothing. I'm unemployed. I found out yesterday. Yeah. I, there's nothing. Yeah. And I don't even mind when when I see somebody on the street and they're like, what's going on with you? Like, I'm ice skating. I'm doing this. And I do it on purpose because I hate that question. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Except sometimes I get a little sarcastic. I go, well, or one time, I think it was Groundhog Day. And somebody came backstage after the show and they said, so what's next? And I said, well, I'm probably going to wake up. I might get stoned. I don't know. Then I'll um, consider masturbating, but think about how I'm, I'm actually just too lazy to do that. And um, then I'll just sit there on the couch and I'll probably have anxiety about some stuff. And then I'll turn on some music. And then I might pick up my cat who will reject me. And that will go over, that, that will ha- repeat itself over and over throughout the day. And then I'll probably think about masturbating again, but I'm just too sad. And then eventually I'll just fall asleep and wake up and do the same thing the next mm-hmm. day. Sometimes you sleep What are just... you up to? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Sometimes I sleep just because there's nothing else to do. Yeah. I think that's the best answer. I'm going to sleep and dream of a better life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Leslie. What was it like for you growing up? When did you start performing? When did this insane dream begin? Well, I grew up on a cattle ranch. What? I know. I didn't know that you grew up on a cattle ranch. Yeah. You're so Jonathan Groff. (laughs) He grew up on like a horse farm. I grew up on a cattle ranch. My family were ranchers. And I would like just start singing with the animals. My sisters were a lot older, so I was kind of an only child in, uh-huh. in that nobody was around. So I would like tap dance on the septic tank. Um, I started <laughs> dancing when I was four because my parents, it was before like they diagnosed ADD. Just doctors were like, it's got to be allergies or something. Put her in dance class because I was so hyper. So I started dancing. And then um, when I was like nine, a touring company of Annie was coming through San Jose and they needed kids. And I was like, I don't know how I heard, I think I heard about it from a friend of mine that was on my soccer team or something. And I was like, I'm gonna go to this. And my dad went and got me the little application and I went and I booked in. <laughs> and my, my family was like, you don't sing? I'm like, yeah, I do, yeah. And I have the exact <laughs> same voice that I do now. Just like obnoxious giant belt. It was exactly the same. <laughs> and then I ended up doing that and then just started doing community theater. And like, and then all through high school, I worked doing shows at theme park, my theme park that like was close. In high school? In high school. That's amazing. Yeah. And I was doing like professional theater, but I still was like so into high school. I was a cheerleader. And wow. Like the homecoming queen. You were popular. I was so, so into high school. Loved it. And I remember like opportunities would come up and I would say no because I just wanted to be in high school. And I always tell kids that because it's really important, like live your high school life. And then um, I knew that I wanted to do this for a living, but I knew that I wanted to do shows at Disneyland. That was my dream. Oh, yeah. So I had to go to UCLA. And I auditioned for Disney, I think my junior year of high school. And they were like, if you come to LA, you'll have a job. So I was like, done. Go to UCLA. Wasn't a theater major because you couldn't work outside of the school if you were a theater major. And I was like, screw that. I'm working at Disneyland. So what did you major in? I was like sociology pre-law. 
amazing. I started off as a dance major just because I thought it was a bullshit major. And it's actually very hard. So then I was like, eh, I'll do something academic. <laughs> um, and then I left. I worked at Disneyland and loved, loved, loved my life doing all the shows. And I'm a big Disney freak. So yeah, that you was are like my to this life. day. Oh, to this day. And you never got jaded with it. No, I, there was a long time where I didn't go to the park okay. for a while, but I loved it. I loved yeah. every second of it. And theme parks to me are the best training. I don't call out of my shows. I know how to do shows sick. I know how to do six shows a day. Like it literally is the best training. Wow. And I was also doing Universal Studios in college. And it was like me, Wayne Brady, Eden Espinosa, Stephanie Block was at Disneyland. Um, like, now, I know Stephanie was, but I wonder if I saw you in any of the shows. Because I would go to Disney. I was like, screw the rides. I'm seeing mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast over and over and over again. Or I'm seeing Pocahontas mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Or Dick, do you remember the Dick Tracy show? I do. That was when I, I remember seeing it in like junior high. I went down and that's the show that I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to do that. I wanted to be Breathless Mahoney. I was like, I just, I just. Who else could play the role? I mean, no one I know. But I loved it. And yeah. like I met my best friends to this day are still like Eden and those people that, that I met doing those shows. Wow. And then I um I left school because I got <laughs> I got lucky. I got a television series. What? Yeah, they redid Fame called Fame LA. I remember. Wait, was um oh what's his name? I love him. Paul McGill, was he in that or was he in the movie? He might have been in the movie. Okay. Okay. So this fame was a redo, two. Fame Two, Electric Boogaloo. And it was about like college kids in Los Angeles. And it was 22 episodes and I booked it. And it was like, was like, I was like, this is it. I'm done, done. I'm gonna be a TV star. And then the 22 episodes ended. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I didn't get more work. I got some stuff, but like, I just assumed I would be. Like that was life now. Yeah. But this is like a dark detour. But what I realized, because I had never done TV before, is I get there and suddenly I wasn't the pretty skinny one. I was the chubby funny one. I was, all these things that, that I, I loved about doing theater was kind of unaccepted on a television show. Mm -hmm. I was like the ugly character girl. I was the Doris Finsecker. What? Yeah. You were and Rhoda. That, like, I was Rhoda. <laughs> and that like did a number on me for, for quite a few years. Because yeah. when you're, I think, you know, when you're 20 and I had big boobs and I look like I do. It's, it's difficult. I don't know. I didn't know what my place was. So it took a few years and I always stayed in LA. I would audition out here, but never get anything. Hmm. I would come really, really close. I would fly out for stuff all the time and I would do workshops and I would just not get hired. And that's how I ended up in London because I was in Los Angeles. So <laughs> they were casting Zorro in Los Angeles. Okay. Mm -hmm. The director lived there. He's British, but he lived there. So they were going to do it in Los Angeles. And the Zorro company is in California. So I auditioned for this crappy 29-hour reading of one act. And then like th over three years did workshops there and here. And, and then I was the one that they ended up taking. Equity wouldn't exchange me, by the way. They had to like get me work permits because I was a nobody. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. That, so did it almost not happen? Yeah. That's so scary. It almost didn't happen. And I was getting married anyway. So I was like, uh, I was getting, I was going to leave for three months before my wedding. And I found out like two days before I left that I was going. 
because they had to get me work permits. Shoot. But Equity was like, nope. She's never done anything. She's not a she's not a Broadway person. And this was before this was like a year before like hair and then uh-huh. it started becoming easier for people to go over there. Yeah. So it was it was but then even after all that, even after I won the stupid award, not that it's stupid, but so you won the Olivier. I won the Olivier, which was cuckoo nuts. Crazy. And then I was like, what that meant to me was, okay, now, now I can go to Broadway. Now they'll, they'll take me. And I was up for two shows right after that out here. Thought I was getting them both and did not. Oh. And I went back to LA feeling like it's never going to happen. This Broadway thing is just never, I don't know what my place is. Yeah. I know that I'm different. I know that I'm like not typically what they were looking for for things. And I just didn't know what that was. So then like nine months, a year goes by and and a friend of mine from London was like, this show just opened and there's a role for you that you have to play. Like nobody else can play this. And I was like, oh, whatever. It's a kid's show. I don't like kids, whatever. I listened to the song and I went to my friend's office and I was like, I like burst in her office. I was like, I, 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 I don't even, I, this song, I, I have to play this role. She was like, okay, well, when's it coming over? I said, I don't know, but, but like, I, just, I know I have to do this. They started seeing people here and Eden Espinosa actually called me. She had gotten an appointment. She was like, this is not me, but you need to be going in for this. And I was like, what? They're seeing people? And I was in LA and not on anybody's radar. Oh, thank God for Eden Espinosa. Right? I know. But then, you know, and it's so funny and, and ugh, casting is a hard job because the, the guys from London, the Matilda team, had seen Zorro and knew me. But I don't, they weren't asking for me. But, but when, I, when my agents like pushed to get me seen and then I was in front of them, they were like, oh, oh my God, we loved your show, we loved you, blah, blah, blah. So that, it literally took, and I know that's why I got it because they had all seen me perform and, and the choreographer especially like really wanted to make my number like my own. And, and I think it was just from being persistent and going, I, I want this, I want this and really just not giving up on it. I had, I didn't know for, I didn't find out for nine months. I had a picture of the woman in Britain up on a wall in my bed and I would look at it every night and I'd be like, it's happening, it's happening. And in that time, this is like a rambling. You got this. It's the most rambling story. No, this story. is so good. In that time, I went to the Sacramento Music Circus and did Greece, as you do, which has now been dubbed Ancient Greece. It was me <laughs> and Beth Malone. And like, <laughs> called it Ancient Greece. Um, I was rehearsing for that and tore my ACL. Oh, no. Tore my ACL. Owie. Now, I'm still... In the running for Matilda, I had already auditioned. I had done everything. Oh, side note. All of my auditions were in New York, except one. Tim Minchin was shooting a television show in Los Angeles. And I was in Sacramento. And they said, can you come and sing for Tim Minchin? They were auditioning like celebrity trench bowls or something. I was like, of course, you're in my home and I'm not even home. So I fly from Sacramento with my newly torn knee. And I was like, as long as I don't have to dance, I'm not telling anybody, blah, blah, blah. Taped up myself trotted in. Tim Minchin actually only got to see one audition and it was mine. And it was like the, the craziest thing. And I remember walking in and I did my audition and he, he went, well, fuck, I didn't need to see that. That's it. 
And I walked out and I still didn't hear. But you know what I did hear? Three months later, no joke, coming out of post-op from my knee surgery, because I knew that I had to get my knee healed. I knew I had to get it done no matter what, if I wanted yeah. to dance again. I'm literally on drugs. Post-op, I get a call from my manager. He's like, it's happening. Oh my god! But then I went, thank God I was on drugs. I went, oh my God, I have three months to rehab an ACL, which is no joke. And I had gone, knowing that this was a possibility, I had gone to like one of the top like sports doctors in LA. And I was like three months for an ACL to do what I'm supposed to do. And I couldn't tell anybody. Like now I can't, but I couldn't tell anybody. And I rehabbed it for like eight hours a day. My husband like never let me say, I don't think this is going to happen. He would like show me sports montages and like <laughs> literally rocky speeches. He would send me like on the phone. It was like a boot camp for me that nobody knew about except my husband, my family, and like a couple of my friends. Because if anyone had found out, my debut would have gone out the window. And the only person that knew during rehearsal was Philip Faith, my dance partner, because there were things that I couldn't do. And that's how like I do a cooter slam in Matilda. Yeah. And that's how that came. It was a, originally an assisted split, which hurt my knee more. So then I was like, you know what would be really great here is the cooter slam. <laughs> and they were like, you want to do that eight times a week? And I was like, uh-huh. Because I knew, because you just jump and you land. Like it had nothing, no knee pressure, nothing. And that's how that happened. This was a really long rambling story. No, it's But perfect. crazy. It's crazy. But that's how I made my Broadway debut. Crazy. Because I just watched something like a meme of you, mm-hmm. a gif, a gif, whatever mm-hmm. it is, doing the cooter slam. And my thought was, Eight times a uh-huh. week on a raked stage? Uh-huh. Literally, because I had to hide my injury. Oh, my gosh. I mean, if if vaginas had an ACL, I mean, you would have torn, torn that. Yeah, torn, torn. That's crazy. But it was nuts. It was nuts <clears throat> that I was healed. It was nuts that I did a thousand shows after that on, wow. that, on, that, on that ACL. And you were so brilliant oh, thanks. in that show. I loved it so much. Like uh, it was my dream, and and to finally get to, to be on Broadway, and it is what they say it is. Like I just, I bawled that first preview. I bawled the first time we walked. In, I mean, I was crying the whole time, but I bawled the first time we walked in the theater. The first preview, I remember so clearly getting ready to walk on stage, and I remember being on the 405 driving, learning the song and listening to the British woman like say these lines and I was about to say these lines and I just bawled. And one of the awesome, like you guys, the crews on these shows are amazing. Incredible. He just grabbed me and he's like, I know, I know. And I was like, okay. And I went and it was like the, the best, it was everything I wanted it to be. And I, I hope that everyone has an experience like that. I know that some people are like thrown on for their, debut or whatever, but it is everything. And I think because it had eluded me for so long, it meant that much more. Yeah. Because it was like, a, and, and not a lot of work physically <laughs> to be like, okay, I'm, I can do this. Yeah. Sport Crazy, montages. Right? Sport montages. That's incredible. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Who was in the, did you have anybody in the audience for you that night? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my best friend was there. A couple of my friends were there. The fir- oh. That first preview. It was crazy. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. And and I never took it for granted. Never, never, never once. 
Well, I mean, that's one of my favorite things about you is that you don't take anything for granted. I mean, look, there are days where, of course, I complain. We all do. Yeah. But the majority of the time, it's like, I know how, I know how lucky I am. You can complain and be grateful at the same time. Totally. What, what we you do totally is hard. Can. Yeah. You totally um, can. Because also, I know what it's like to not have a job mm-hmm. for months and, and wonder if you're ever going to work again. Knowing that you will in the back of your head, but you know, it gets dark. You just wonder, you're like, am I ever going to get? Yeah. Well, it's like, I know I'll work, but will I? But will I? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Is it going to be, you know, Cocoon the Musical <laughs> of Bucks County? <laughs> Is it going to be the next Harry Potter? Like, Yeah, we don't know. And that's what I'm trying to embrace is like, okay, today could be shitty, but I don't know what. And that always happens. You get a phone call and you're like, what? Yeah. <clears throat> the hell? Like, it, it just happens that way. And I'm trying to work on being more patient about that. It's really hard. Yeah. But that's why you got to have other stuff, I think. Yeah. Like ice skating. Like ice skating. Mm-hmm. What? I don't... Gentle listeners. Mm-hmm. Gentle listeners of Edgewater and <laughs> San Diego and Long Island. <laughs> Reseda. Miss Margarita, mm-hmm. Mrs., is an ice skater. Yeah. What? So as a kid, before I did theater... I was an ice skater. Okay. And I was going to be an ice dancer. They were going to pair me up with uh, this kid. A Russian. Probably a Russian. No, he ended up being like a very famous gay skater, of course. But I, it was really, really hard. And, and I was going every day. And I had to choose if I wanted to go be like an Olympic skater or do theater. And thank God I chose theater. It was really hard. I, I didn't handle the pressure of skating well as a kid. And I, my coach was mean and... I just didn't handle it well. So I was so happy I chose theater. Yeah. But then, and then I didn't skate after that for a long time. I just didn't want to, but I was always a fan. And I've always been obsessed with the competitions. I watch every competition. I have like the NBC sports package. Like it's just what I do. But then like a year ago, going through one of these times where I was like, I don't know what's happening with my life. And I don't have anything besides like Disney and Star Wars. I don't really have anything else that makes me so happy to do like an yeah. activity. And my husband was like, why don't you just start skating again? And I kind of went, ha huh. again, sports husband's all sports. He's like, why don't you start skating? He got me a pair of skates and I started like going to the rink montage montage. <clears throat> and then in January I was like, screw this. I'm doing this. And I got in touch with a rad coach at Chelsea Piers and then started taking lessons again. So it's been like a few months of like, taking lessons and I sort I'm having of a blast. wish that you went back to your old coach who was like a Russian chain <laughs> smoking lady. And she's like, so I knew you'd come crawling back. <laughs> totally. So you want to go back on the, how do you say ice? <laughs> My people are not one to give up. Yeah. Can you imagine if I had stayed though? There's nobody has boobs like these on the ice. There's just, it's, it wouldn't you would have been the first. <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. There's you would no have been way. the first. Why not? There's no way. Hey, Sure. People with okay. big boobs that love ice skating, you deserve this dream. And this dream is going to happen as a man with big boobs. Okay. It is not my dream to ice skate, but if it was, if it fucking was, mm-hmm. I'd be on you that ice it. doing triple axles mm-hmm. down. down. The down part hurts, the falling. Speaking of hurts and falling mm-hmm. and bad things happening, there is a story that 
I need to confirm if this is true or not. <laughs> okay. We're going to rewind back into your Olivier uh-huh. award-winning uh-huh. performance uh-huh. in Sorrow. Uh-huh. I'm just going to say the word raton. <laughs> is this, can you confirm this? And, I can confirm this. Okay, can you please tell the story? Yeah. The theaters are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old over there. <laughs> and there are rats the size of cats in in london that were in cats that were in cats yeah some of them are phenomenal <laughs> great singers you should see you- <laughs> so they're giant rats anyway we would always see them in the theater and you know you kind of got used to it a little bit it was still gross but whatever so one day spoiler alert i had this very dramatic death my character gets shot no yes it's terrible it's so sad and I die center stage, of course. By the way, if I ever passed center stage and the guy was late in shooting me or the gun didn't go off, like in time, I would just die and crawl back to center stage <laughs> to make sure. <laughs> but I digress. So one day I'm lying dead on the floor and I hear this. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And half of our cast were Spanish flamenco dancers. So I hear, my eyes are closed i'm facing the audience like rat tone suddenly i swear to you a rat runs across my body across my body it's gray gray rat across my body i wake up from the dead scream realize that i'm supposed to be dead and then die again The entire audience knows what's happening. It's obviously very funny, but it was horrifying. And then I'm like shaking on the ground, shaking because disgusting rabies, but then shaking because I'm laughing so hard. It, I swear to you, I've never, I'll never experience anything like that again. Uh, I couldn't believe it. And why does it run across me? Like I went through all the things. I'm like, I was in red. Maybe like I don't know. It just <laughs> it could have run across in anyway. a show on the West End. Aren't you was Aren't you scared to come out here, rat? No, it was fearless. Fearless. Good old Vicky. Good old Vicky. I was I, like I didn't understand. Like I'd always seen them. There was like one where I'd warm up every day. I'd be like, hello, it's like, <laughs> in its little hole. There was one at the Schubert too that like I swear was stealing my eyelashes. <laughs> But it's, I would see them backstage and I have no idea why I, I don't, I, it was the, the, I'll never, ever, ever forget. It. And for like five minutes, the show stopped because people just couldn't get it together. Did the audience laugh? Oh yeah. You could see something. You could see it running. And then clearly when I was like, ah! <laughs> died again, it was unbelievable. It, total true story. It was so gross, too. Oh, my gosh. And you know that feeling like when you have a bug on you or something? I literally then had to die again, and I was just like, (laughs) is it gone? Is it gone? It was so... Phantom raton. So you had to die again? Died again. And then they all carried me off, like, laughing. (laughs) And I was mortified. (laughs) I I mean... I would have been pissed that that I had to die again. I would have told the stage manager to fuck off. (laughs) I'd be like, no, we're taking it after the death. Well, the guy, like, El Zorro had to do this whole, like, oh, Inez, this whole thing. And he was, like, laughing, sort of shaking. And he had to do this whole, the gypsies had to, like, wail, cry over me. The legacies. The legacies. The legacies. What kind of show do you think you're on? Here's the thing. (laughs) The music was written by the Gypsy Kings. I played a gypsy. I know. 
And, but they truly are, they truly are gypsies. Real gypsies from the Andalusians. Legacy kings. Legacies. <laughs> Not gypsy in the sense of no. the legacy. Raton. Raton, Raton, It's so, like, the, this, is, this, is, this is the dream. That's the dream. This is, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yes, your dream came true. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you should have dreamed more specifically, dear. I mean, and, and then, like, I did a show off-Broadway, and there were just cockroaches everywhere. It's, it's The kids, just, just get ready. Yeah. It's just... It's not all that glamorous. It's just not. It's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> we're going to take a break so I can wash the phantom uh-huh. ratons off, off of uh-huh. me. And then when we come back, we're going to talk to someone on Skype about their <gasps> dreams. Oh my God. Um, thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for more Josh Wallows Broadway. Raton. Am I your most boring guest? No, you're one of my most favorite Oh guests. my God. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I always feel so boring. Welcome back, dear listeners in Hartford, Edgewater, <laughs> Long Island and beyond. Um, to Josh Swallows Broadway here with Leslie Margarita on the Broadway Podcast Network. Um, so I'm excited about today's caller. I feel like it's very on brand with this okay. episode about... You know how life in this business is not easy. Mm-hmm. Throws you the goods. Yet we do love it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and we're still here, damn we're it. We're still here. You gotta. We're still chasing, yep. chasing the dream. So today we are going to be talking with Rebecca. Now, she doesn't know that you're on the show with us. Oh, so she doesn't? You're going to be surprised. She's going to be like, who is that? She's going to be like, Raton. It's all Raton. <clears throat> Rebecca Taylor! Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm so great. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I'm so excited to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, I am here with my dear friend, Leslie Margarita. Hi. 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 Oh, we're so awesome. (laughs) Wait, what's your shirt say? I love it. We're in the uh, camp. It's a, it's a camp I go do during the summer. Amazing. Aww, we want to go to your camp. Right? Do it. it uh, it's, it's a really great camp. It's for the siblings of kids who have like chronic diseases and disabilities and stuff like that. So it's for the siblings of them because to no fault of their own, they kind of get 
pushed away. That is phenomenal. Accident. Oh, that makes me want to cry. That's oh, beautiful. That is so it's, amazing. Wow. It's great. I love going. Wow. wow. Amazing. Good for you. Now, um, so you have a question for us, yes? Yes, I do. Please. Okay. Uh, my questions were, what was what is the hardest part about trying to break into the Broadway business? I think the hardest part was was staying tenacious, staying like staying just not giving up. Honestly, it took a really, really long time for me to get a Broadway show. Years mm-hmm. and years and years. It didn't happen easy at all. And there were so many times that I just almost gave up. And we were talking about it before. Like, I just thought it was never going to happen. Um, and so the hardest part for me was just not giving up. And that was just believing in myself, continuing to, like, work on myself, but also having really awesome people around me and kind of, like, getting rid of the people that were telling me no, that were bringing me down and, and surrounding myself with people that believed in whatever my dream was. Um, but yeah, that's hard. I think that's the hardest part is not giving up. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same as Leslie where it took me, I was in New York for, I think seven or eight years before I got a Broadway show. And, uh, you know, but for me, like it got to the point where I was absolutely ready to give up. Yeah. But it's all about community. you got to surround yourself with people who are kind and who love you and who get it. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, you know, also setting up healthy barriers, I think. Like my yeah. family is not allowed to ask me what I'm auditioning for, <laughs> ever. And <laughs> I say, really smart. yeah, I say, if I have news, you will you. be yeah. one of the first people to hear. Right. So, you know, it's okay to set boundaries like in life. You know, and knowing that you're not a failure, that was a big one for me. Yeah, is 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 knowing that I, just because I didn't get a Broadway show, I was still working doing theater, so many other places. It's all the same. So for me, going to do a production of whatever in some city was the same as doing a Broadway show. It didn't mean Broadway doesn't mean it's better. It's just a street. It's just another place, and it. it it doesn't mean you're a failure if you haven't gotten that yet. I felt no different. I felt after my debut, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> this is, feels the same as, yeah. you know, I was so happy that it happened, but it didn't automatically make me happier or it didn't make me more talented. It didn't, make, you know, it was the same stuff. So that was, I mean, yeah, just, just knowing that, that the fact that you're staying with it is the success. Absolutely. And also like, putting self-worth into what you do i think you know the whole you're not you're not your job so am i a shitty person if my show closes because like am i worthless now am i only worth something if i'm doing you know hello dolly at the tiki tiki hilton and you know north carolina whatever and i love doing that just as much me too are (laughs) are you a performer uh, I in high school I was I did theater all throughout high school. What was your favorite part? And, um, well, for two years I was actually acting and doing, you know, being on stage. But for the other two years I did tech. So yeah, I was stage manager for one year and then all the lights and everything for the following year. That's the hard stuff. Yeah, 
literally yeah, what we I do is being stage manager oh, is so man. much fun yeah <laughs> that's so hard i like the pressure yeah sure yeah i could never the the crew works way harder than we ever do <laughs> always and stays the latest and gets there yeah. the earliest yeah and has to put up with actors oh, the actors the <laughs> actors um no that's great and so where do you live now uh, right now, I'm um, uh, at college at Sol Ross State University in Alpine, Texas. Nice. All right, Texas. All right. Yeah. So kind of far from where y'all are, but yeah. No, it's not. Nah. Look at us. We're in the same room right now, huh? I know. It's great. I love it. Yeah. It's a dream come true. It's amazing. You're <laughs> a dream come true. And what you're doing for all those kids is a real dream come true. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's amazing. I yeah. love doing it. Yeah, well, thanks for calling oh, in and for talking us. to us. Now, now we're new friends. Yeah. Yay! Yay! I'm always, I'm always good to have friends with. Good. good. I mean, I think I'm a good friend, but you know, oh, really? that's just me. We agree. We agree, we agree. wholeheartedly. We mm-hmm. will be there in the morning <laughs> for best friend brunch before Yay. camp. Yes. Before camp. Yes. 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 Cool. Thanks for calling. I'm giving you a big hug. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Tell the campers we love them. Yeah. Okay. I will. Okay. Thanks. Bye. 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 Well, that's rad. That's incredible. God, how difficult. Could you imagine? But honestly, those kids must feel like those kids must feel like I'm important too. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm just glad that places like that oh, exist. Totally. And it also makes me feel so like. I'm not doing anything meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're like back to our negativity. Totally. Oh, oh, God, I'm not doing anything in my life. <laughs> I don't deserve happiness or food Nothing. or family. I'm like about to like apply to that camp just so I can feel some love. Just to feel like my life is worth something. Yeah, I'll be like, well, my career's ill. And <laughs> at the moment, my career is, is in the hospital. <laughs> Do you think you could cheer me up for a little bit? Uh, hear me out. Hear me Isn't out. Isn't that crazy? You just performed on the Tonys and then a week later, it's like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And that's how it is. That's why business. I tell people it's like being addicted to heroin. <laughs> Because you're always chasing a high. You're either yeah. really good or it's Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you just wanted to fit in the red dress. <laughs> <laughs> or Raton. Or Raton. Or Even raton. when it's good. Yeah. you have Even a, when it's great. When you're center stage on the West raton. End winning an Olivier, yeah. there's a rat uh-huh. crawling on you. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> God, it's poetic. The best. Um, thank you for coming on the oh my show. Gosh, thanks. I hope it wasn't boring. Oh, please. I love you so much. Mm. You are anything but boring. I love you. And I'm really, really grateful to have you in my life. I'm grateful for you, and I love watching you off stage, but especially on stage, oh, too. P.S. Just a star. Probably fun fact Leslie was my date to opening night of Pong. It was the best. I cried. It was just, I loved it so much. I, and you're just amazed. Everybody in the world, please always be as supportive and loving and kind and wonderful as Leslie Margarita. And follow her on social media. She's incredible. She will inspire you and follow her career because she is magic. I also talk about my dog a lot, but that's okay. That's true. But your dog, I mean, I like animals more than people, right? Me too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, with that said, stay safe and thank you for listening to Josh Wallow's Broadway. Yeah. Josh Wallow's Broadway is produced by Alan Seals and Dory Berenstein. 
photography for the show is by Michael Kushner. Make sure to look him up. He is my favorite photographer in New York City. The theme song is by myself and Anthony Norman. Want to be on the show? I'd love to have you. Email me at josh at joshswallows.com. Be sure to find me on Instagram at josh.layman. See you soon. Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows, Josh Swallows Broadway. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.